Yes, welcome, welcome, welcome to the show that comes here once a week, recapping the Hollywood week that was, getting you ready for the Holly Weird Week to come on, I guess you're going to be listening to this on now a Tuesday, uh, instead of a Monday as it usually is, but it is MMO Weekly, hashtag MMO Weekly, hashtag MMOW, I am your co-host Mike One, leading you around the Hollywoods with co-host also Mike from his house. So I'm getting to the point where, like, I think I'm developing a Twitch, but okay. I don't, I don't have it yet. But I like, I, I like, ticks are starting to form, like the the donkey and Shrek, right? You're you know just, that Eddie yeah. Murphy voice, voice here. I, I don't know if I'm there yet. I'm wondering if your uh, WrestleMania brought you back a sense of normalcy a little bit at all. I know we're gonna get into that in a minute. Sipping on Grandpa's old cough syrup. Huh? <laughs> The old uh, dumb and dumber thing. Get out of here. Yeah, that's how I imagine uh, you're going through life right now, and it makes a lot of sense. Uh, did it bring me normalcy? No, because WrestleMania was one of the most bizarre watching experiences I've ever had in my life for any really? live event. And it was very, very, uh, you knew, I was told at all times that this is not normal and this is not like anything else I've seen, uh, but we will get into that. I guess we can dive right in, Mike, to the, uh, what's the segment called again? Yes, what we're watching. Thank you. And yes, WrestleMania 36 went forward. That was the big event, and I watched a, a lot of wrestling before my wrestling and then watched wrestling after the wrestling to get prepared for <laughs> the two nights of WrestleMania that it was. WWE held it down in their performance center down there in Florida. It was an empty arena. It was basically men and women wrestling in a warehouse with two play-by-play guys commentating the whole time. So how loud were the play-by-play guys? Were they generating their own like atmosphere at all? No, no, not at all. They were just doing their job. It was the wrestlers were actually loud. They were hmm. yelling through their matches. You heard them talking shit to each other. To their credit, they stayed in character the entire time, which I'm sure was something they had to have focused on because for those of you who don't watch pro wrestling, how a match usually operates is that the two combatants will talk to each other and tell each other moves and how to set up and, and what's coming next. And the referee is there with an earplug listening to the back. And when it looks like he's checking in on the combatants, what he's really doing in them is giving them checks about timing and when they have to go home and finish the match and all that fun stuff. So I thought they did a great job in covering all the regular talk that goes on. They did a great job keeping kayfabe, essentially, staying in character the whole time, and I was impressed with that, but man, the atmosphere was just bizarre, Mike. There was, you know, I mean, you heard the echoes, you heard all the loud banging, everything going on. It was just weird. Did they do, like, the fireworks intros and, and all that still, or no? For some of the guys, they had, like, smoke and a little pyro and stuff. But, they, you know, WrestleMania, you're used to seeing guys come down this long ramp with these elaborate setups for the set behind them. And this was just... This is literally where the new WWE signees come to lift weights and work out before they're put on any show. That's where they held this event. And it was... I mean, weird is just the only way I can describe it. It was a short ramp. They didn't really have a lot of... Production values? Yeah, but there was no sense of pageantry attached to anything. It was Hmm. just bizarre. All right, so those production values were lower, I guess. But I'm wondering if, 
like you got your wrestling fix in the sense that there were X amount of matches that you had to know going in who was going to win them. I mean, does the sport still hook you like that? And did you come out of it either satisfied or upset like with those, you know, three or four matches, whatever it was? Well, if anything, this whole setup because of what Corona's doing made it more questionable what would happen usually yes you know the outcomes you know how the stories are going to end and the biggest matches are going to go you have a pretty good idea at least when it comes to mania time but because there was no crowd and there weren't going to be any of these you know quote-unquote wrestlemania moments that wwe likes to sell you on you don't hmm. half of me was thinking well why would they do these big title changes and wrap up these stories now when there's no crowd to shower praise and adulation on the winner or mm-hmm. boo the the bad guy out of the building. Why wouldn't they just hold on to these and prolong the storylines until there was a crowd involved and they could have a proper ending there? So, if anything, I think the mystique of the event was aided by Corona. And I don't. It wasn't. A, you know, it was bizarre. It was weird, but it wasn't a total waste of time. I, I certainly don't feel that because they had a couple matches where they were able to lean into not being live. It was all pre-taped, and they were able to lean into the television aspect of it. They had. They presented you know more of a, a dramatic storyline, and it was an actual show. Like there was essentially there was a match between the Undertaker and AJ Styles that didn't take place in the ring or in the performance center. It was all pre-taped out in a graveyard somewhere. It was basically like yeah. a fight scene from Sons of Anarchy with all the choreograph and special effects and all that stuff that they tied into it. They had another match the second night between John Cena and Bray Wyatt. That was the same thing. They wouldn't be able to do these things if they were in front of a live crowd. And I don't know that these pre-tapes would have worked in front of a live crowd either. Either, but because they had this opportunity, it kind of goes back to what I said weeks ago. A lot of these creative types are at their best when their backs are against the wall. It's going to be a memorable WrestleMania regardless because of the conditions attached. But I think they were able to do things that they wouldn't have otherwise done, quite frankly, had it not been for this Corona thing. So I think uh, they do deserve credit. And the performers certainly deserve credit for pulling out a, a watchable event that just we didn't even know if we were going to have as of two weeks ago. So you did get your fix and yeah. you would, you know, you would say that this was, it was worth your, what, how many hours did you spend watching? 75. No, it was honestly like, <laughs> I think it was six and a half over two nights or seven over two nights, which is okay. hysterical to me because last year's event, this is the first time they've done this over two nights. Last year's WrestleMania was one night and it was seven and a half hours. <laughs> it was longer <laughs> than these two nights put together, which I don't know how that happened, but we take that for what it's worth. I don't know if two nights is something they're going to go do in the future. I think this was kind of a test balloon to see how the format worked and if there was a positive response. Maybe they do, but I know the week of WrestleMania has been turned into this huge blowout event for the WWE where they mm-hmm. have, you know, superstars interacting with the local schools, the local businesses another day, and then they have this Hall of Fame ceremony usually on Saturday night. They have the NXT special usually on Friday night now. So that's why WrestleMania has to kind of be on one night. Maybe they'll go to from here on out. Overall, look, in this time where we're desperate for live content to watch anything new, I think it's... I appreciate the fact that the WWE is trying to put forward stories and trying to put forward a live product. <laughs> There's been rumors that they're going to take a break off and, and, and take a, a halt like every other major sporting event basically right. has done. Maybe they do that, and I think that would be well-deserved, too. I know they're testing their superstars. I don't know how. I mean, that's a whole other ball of wax. Why every 
billion dollar league is able to get their hands on these corona tests and regular people aren't but that's a different problem for a different day i guess very true but you know i I think they're doing right by their performers so i think they deserve a lot of credit but at the same time if they were to stop productions and take a break i certainly would not blame them at all all right so uh, worth your time Uh, that's cool to hear i'm glad for you i'm happy for you you didn't watch though huh mike and none at all, none at all. <laughs> I might have watched a few clips last night, and it held me for like five minutes, which was fine. It was fun. Oh, what but, you, I did but see, so you saw some, like on Twitter. Okay. I clicked on the big, you know, caption, yeah. and I saw John Cena, you know, doing like a hundred thousand curls really fast. It was. I, he's hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> he he deserves every ounce of praise in the world. But yes, mm-hmm. you saw the important stuff. There it is. All right. So I watched it too. On Twitter. No, Mike, what, what else have you been getting into? You got a couple more things. There. Yeah, this week, I just wanted to give some shout outs to different stuff. Uh, Tom Segura and his wife, I apologize. Her name escapes me right now, but their podcast called Your Mom's House Podcast. Uh, hmm. I don't know why. There's something about them. They put these clips online because they're both a video podcast and they have the regular audio feed, but they are hysterical to me. I've just been catching up on a lot of their past stuff. Uh, I was not familiar with them or their product prior to this i think this was just a suggested thing on youtube that i happened to click on and it's been great for me it's given me a lot of laughs and they have a lot of comedians on that we both enjoy so i think you would actually like it too mike if you wanted to seek it out on youtube but there's all kinds of hours of content on that it's a very dry i know tom segura also has a a comedy special out on netflix that just came out recently i haven't watched that yet but if you're into that type of comedy uh, i think this would speak to you as well John Krasinski is a hero. And I know I mentioned this last week on MMOW. I have to mention it again. He has this, I guess it's going to be an ongoing news program called Some Good News. It's like 17 to 20 minutes an episode. Apparently he's going to do this every week, it seems, which is great. He's literally just taking stories from around the web that are positive because he knows we all need some good news right now. And what he's done for these kids that he has on his program this one girl he happened to find this tweet of this mother tweeting that she was upset because she was buying tickets to hamilton for her nine-year-old daughter and they had to cancel because obviously everything canceled and i guess because they had they canceled they were watching mary poppins on tv instead they didn't tweet Mm -hmm. this to john krasinski he found the tweet he had emily blunt who obviously played mary poppins and mary poppins returns talk to her through a zoom conference and then in the middle of that conversation Lin-Manuel Miranda popped in and started talking to the girl and what he did was Lin-Manuel Miranda had the entire cast of Hamilton join him from separate Zoom feeds and put on a Hamilton performance for this little nine-year-old girl through John Krasinski's Some Good News It's I was near tears this morning watching this. John Krasinski is actually Superman and Captain America he is everything we need right now especially in this time during this pandemic God bless him. We need to do everything we can to protect him and Emily Blunt. We can't lose them. Nothing bad could happen to them. I need them too badly right now. If you haven't seen some good news, go seek that out. I'm actually going to seek that out now. You finally pitched me something (laughs) that I'm going to go. It's going to push me over the fence, and I'm going to watch it. Mike, I was welling up. I was like, there were actual tears in my eyes. This was the (laughs) sweetest, most wholesome thing. And it's so true. I remember being like a teenager and think all this self-help bullshit was just what it was. Like when you turn into your 30s, you start becoming an adult and and just sad. 
you start to realize like feelings actually matter and this stuff actually has an impact on your brain and the way you feel throughout the day and you have to actively seek this stuff out to feel better about yourself and this is one of those things i think goes right in line with that so i I hope you do watch it and i hope you cry like i did because then i won't feel so bad about being in touch with my emotions there uh, and along those lines, the only last thing I wanted to give a shout out to was, I don't know if you've watched any of the monologues that the late night hosts have been doing. They've still been going forward with their programs, but they've been doing them out of their houses. Seth mm-hmm. Myers especially has gone from like his living room to his garage to now he's doing it in his attic, just trying to find the best place to do it. I, I, him, <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel, Stephen Colbert was in a bubble bath doing a monologue. John Oliver right. is just in front of like a regular green screen, I think in his garage doing it. I, I just wanted to give all those guys all the late night hosts, I think, are doing a very, very good job doing their best to keep people entertained. Jimmy Kimmel last week had Dave Matthews on, joining him in a Zoom conference, and Dave Matthews played a live song from atop his own toilet. So <laughs> a lot of creativity is being done to try and give everybody the laughs and the needed entertainment in this time where we all so badly and desperately need it. Wanted to give them shout-outs as well. But that's been my week, trying to seek out actively things that make me happy to keep me from wanting to kill myself and others. What about you, Michael? What have you been watching? Well, I do not have anything to rival your what, what we're watching segment, Michael, because that was far more cathartic yes. and terrifying than I ever thought possible. <laughs> Good. Uh, look, I watched The Way Back uh, from Ben Affleck being a basketball coach, mm-hmm. uh, and it was awful. Oh, no. And it was a waste of $20. Oh, no. And it's nothing but sports coaching cliches that may bother me as a, as a coach more than other people. Like he's a high he's working with high school kids, so do I. And he should have gotten fired a hundred thousand times, basically for every single thing he does for the first hour and a half of this movie. Like okay. he should get fired for. And this movie is not aware of those regulations, those clear regulations in every single you know high school programs. They tell you right off the bat, and some of it's just common sense. So this man should have been fired a hundred thousand times. Look, he he's dealing with alcoholism, Ben Affleck, the actor and the character in this movie. If this movie helped him, Ben Affleck, make his way back to acting, to working, to getting on his feet, I applaud him for that, and right. as, as we've done in the past. So is that worth my $20? No, I'm really <laughs> upset that I have I own this movie now because it fucking sucks. I give it like a D plus C minus. I really Ooh. cringe for two hours and I hate it. Ben, I'm glad you're healthy and sober, but you owe me $15 at least uh, is basically where you land. So obviously a lot of hype about Ben Affleck's chances because of what's happened with the film year. A lot of hype about his yeah. chances in the best actor category for that performance. Ugh. Anything to do with that for you or is it all overblown, do you think? Look, I wasn't going to say this, but I, I just have no filter at this point. I want to drink until I forget that movie. All right. Can I be any clearer? Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I, it's a terrible movie. Ben Affleck saving is is your downfall, huh? <laughs> Probably in this case. All right. That's one down. It's a circle of life. It's a cycle. All right. I, I watched Uncorked, which is a better movie about alcohol. But anyway, it's, it's about a family. Mike, it's did you get a, a drinking problem this week? 
thankfully not. Not yet. Good. But uh, this is a 2020 Netflix original movie. Courtney B. Vance plays the father. His son wants to be a sommelier, wants to be uh, someone who, you know, gets his master's in horticulture. Basically, you know, what what, what was going on with the Virginia Madsen character in Sideways. And they're running a successful barbecue restaurant, and the father wants them to take over the restaurant instead of doing all the hoity-toity stuff. It was great in terms of family scenes. One after another family scene, basically they're cutting ribs, Mike. It was delicious looking. Preparing, (laughs) cooking, smoking ribs, cutting those ribs, serving those ribs to people at the restaurant. I could have gone for more, you know, food porn in the sense of watching people eat the ribs, (laughs) but... It still it delivers some food goods, but it's a touching family story. And this father reminded me of my dad. It's just a hardworking, matter of fact, you know, matter of fact guy. Doesn't get too high or low emotionally, and that that's Courtney B. Vance. So Courtney B. Vance is acting without emoting all that much, which I thought was just perfect. So this is a solid B grade for me. Like what didn't sell me was the fact that these filmmakers were trying to, you know get into all this horticulture like it, it seemed like a bunch of filmmakers who liked wine but really wanted to do this clumsy metaphor about becoming filmmakers and selling their families on the fact that they want to become filmmakers <laughs> okay but you still i mean a b is a high grade so let me ask you if courtney b vance was like a venture capitalist that he wanted his son to take over the business instead of this delicious barbecue rib restaurant would Look, you have a higher been- grade <laughs> This movie would have been the perfect movie if it was just a movie about filmmakers wanting to become filmmakers who also go to barbecue restaurants. If somebody handed you a plate of baby back ribs, you would have given this movie a B is what you're saying. Oh, if this movie came with baby back ribs or if someone just gave me baby back ribs, right. A plus. Okay, good. As that's long as how, we have an understanding. That's how easily manipulated I am. If I ever became an awards voter, I would have a problem or people would easily bribe me with food. Mike, I also watched Elephant on Disney Plus, another 2020 movie. Like this is a harrowing documentary drama. Uh, no, it wasn't as scary and as heartbreaking as the Apple TV Plus, the Elephant Queen movie that I reviewed a couple weeks back. Mm-hmm. But uh, Disney Plus's Elephant, I mean, it's it's a little more meant for kids, but it's still it's still something that packs a wallop in terms of you know some emotional scenes and God. Are these elephants brave and magnificent and should not be killed for any reason out there in the wild? They should be protected. Getting their necessary migrations on film like this was just extraordinary to watch. So I recommend this movie for adults. You know, your kids got to be able to handle a little bit of sadness if they watch that on Disney+. Plus. I can't even handle a little bit of sadness when it comes to some <laughs> majestic animals. So I will not probably be watching this. But uh, So this was in the vein of like Planet Earth, one of those nature docs. Well, it's it's more of a, a a clear narrative that Disney's able to do with like an hour and twenty minute movie. So, it, you know, those nature docs they'll they'll hop on you know a hundred different stories in an episode or whatever, mm-hmm. and you'll kind of go back and forth. Oh, let's check in with uh, Bobby the Beaver. Let's right. check in. No, this is just this one group of elephants, and Mike, they're going through lion territory. How do they? Oh my God! It's just harrowing, harrowing right. uh, action and adventure. It's it's something else. So I do recommend it. I I also rewatched Onward on Disney Plus. That still proves excellent. I finally did my rewatch of Clue. You know the board game yes. turns into the Tim Curry movie on Amazon Prime, and that is so much funnier than I remembered. Isn't it? it? So oh, it's good. 
It's so funny. Aren't you a little <laughs> like? Me. I don't. I almost. I love Ryan Reynolds and Jason Bateman. I think that movie is is Princess Bride territory. There's no reason to remake it. I can't believe that movie has like a thirty something meta score on IMDb. Like who? watch that movie and didn't enjoy themselves shows you how far this whole practice has come i think yes <laughs> i watched uh, good boys again on hbo uh, sadly that is not quite as funny as i remember it but it still made oh. me laugh like 10 times like really hard so oh. it's it's still fun all right well that's that's a silver lining i guess what about some tv you got into yeah the best thing i watched this week was high fidelity season one on hulu with Zoe Kravitz, with Divine Joy Randolph, David H. Holmes had a breakout performance. They play the three characters that are Cusack, Jack Black, and I forget the other guy's name from the record shop in the in the, in the movie. So this is ba- basically a remake of the High Fidelity movie done in 10 episodes, 10 half-hour episodes. Mike, I loved every minute of this, and it just got better and better and better. Sometimes they stay with the original story. Sometimes they deviate. You know, David H. Holmes has a has a episode that was a standalone episode that has been praised around the internet for for its progressivism, and I, I'm really proud. I'm really uh, just blown away by it. I, I thought it was an easy binge. I think I did it in two nights. So this is ten episodes in two nights, and you have Zoe Kravitz who is the daughter of Lenny Kravitz. So obviously she's the perfect person to be playing this, you know, uh, record shop owner who worships all of these, you know, pop music icons, right? But she's also the daughter of Lisa Bonet, who was in the original film, hooking up with John Cusack, who she is playing in this movie. So that's a little weird. A little six degrees of separation type thing going on there. It's something else. So I, I just thought it was perfect. I, I love the show. I love that movie. Like really love that movie. Back in college, I had a you know close friend and I that like that was our movie. We would watch it in the dorm and uh, you know. So go, I hadn't seen it in years, and now I got to rewatch the original because this this you know played all those big moments, and then there's so much new stuff that I really enjoyed it. Plus they did a, a whole new soundtrack for it. So I was up late last night just listening to the soundtrack, which is part of the fun. Yeah, I've seen people give that high marks. Are obviously Bill Simmons. Uh, he spoke about it on his podcast recently saying he was a big fan. He said Zoe Kravitz was perfectly casted, too, for that role. So uh, I think you're in good company there. A lot of people that have watched this seem to really enjoy it. Yeah, the last thing, I, I've been rewatching Curb Your Enthusiasm. I'm through season four now. It's I've been so doing this good. for like... Yeah, I've been doing this for like two months. I haven't really talked about it on the show yet because I was a little embarrassed by it. And I, and let, let me be on, honest with you. I, I'm upset today that Larry David is doing book reports like online. <laughs> like, come on, dude. Just keep it to yourself. What do you mean? Don't you don't want him to spread it. his wings? I don't want him doing I don't want him talking about Woody Allen's book and saying like, I can't, I can't understand how, you know, he could do stupid shit and terrible <laughs> shit. Come on. Just leave it alone. Why would you come out and say that? Even if the press twisted it on him, I don't know. I got to be honest. I had not seen that story, so that escaped me. So um, I I echo what you say, and I just want more curb out of him, basically. That's right. All right. So we got some news of the week, though, Mike. News, 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 All right, Mike, news of the week here. We have some film festival updates in the time of Corona. South by Southwest is going to be releasing films virtually on Amazon Prime this April. Tribeca is going to present select 
programming during the original April dates that it was supposed to be going on in real life. And the Toronto International Film Festival, TIFF, is going to launch the Stay at Home series uh, with the Crave streaming service. What do we make of all this? All right, so the most exciting as news in this bunch has got to be South by Southwest. Yes. I mean, we're getting part of their programming, and they, they basically said that, you know, some of the films can opt in or opt out uh, of being put on, you know, Amazon Prime for the 10-day window or the 7-day window, whatever whatever it was. But we have some we have some awesome movies that we really want to see that were in the original Sundance lineup. And Mike, if I get any one of these, I'm going to be in for it. We had Eric Andre's Bad Trip, David Lowry's The Green Knight with Deb Patel. Future Best Picture winner. <laughs> Judd Apatow's The King of Staten Island with Pete Davidson. We've talked about that, obviously. I'm very excited to see that. Jermaine Clement, he's always funny to me. He's going to be in this movie, I Used to Go Here. Okay. Carrie Mulligan and Promising Young Woman. Ding, 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 ding. And this documentary that's supposedly about the African Tarantino is called Once Upon a Time in Uganda. I'm in. I'm there. I'm in. (laughs) I'm dying to see that. So these are some highly anticipated movies. Like I said, if any one of those is is offered on Amazon Prime for us, like we're going to have to review it. We're going to have to watch it. I can't wait. I'm almost certain. This is how it's going to be going forward. I don't understand. It says the original report for this from The Hollywood Reporter is saying that these are going to be offered for free if they're on. Whatever gets into this online market is going to be offered for free on Amazon Prime. Why wouldn't South by Southwest, after premiering them live, have like a 10-day window where you can pay $30 to have access to them to stream one time yourself at home if you can't make the festival? What would make sense going forward, I think... Is if they had like appointment viewings for these movies. Like this is this King of Staten Island is going to be a one time viewing, eight o'clock, yeah. seven, you know, and make it like a TV station. And Amazon Prime's going to show it once, rather than have all most of these movies pull out, which is what I'm expecting. Right. If I'm honest, I do like, too. Why would why would they put their movie on demand for ten days and basically cut that money out of their future earnings? I mean, it's it's going to be more than what you know, group would have been able to see their film at the film festival. We're talking potentially hundreds of thousands of more people watching it on VOD on demand there on Amazon prime. Yeah. You can't give them un- unlimited access. I think, and I understand it's a weird time. This is the first time doing it. This is all test balloon anyway, but I think if this were to happen again, I'm with you. We're both saying you can only, you get one chance to watch this. If you're going right. to have any kind of access to it online, and I think there needs to be a fee involved as well if they go forward doing this. That being said, Amazon Prime is rolling in dough, right? So they might have prayed a, a paid or prayed yeah. a pit. Well, you do pray to Jeff Bezos, so I guess that oh, works. Oh God, too. you can pray to Jeff Bezos, <laughs> Mike. They could have paid a pretty penny mm-hmm. for this, and I think I think they did. And now South by Southwest, who may have settled for less, you know, probably they probably did okay from this. Now the question is, can they sell their filmmakers on putting these movies out for ten days, or will they have all these caveats? Like we're guessing they will at some point. So I, I I'll, I'll believe this when I see this, Agreed. but I'm, I'm really happy that it's it's even a possibility. As for Tribeca, Mike, apparently starting on April 17th, they're putting their 30 to 40 minute virtual reality movies online with a program called Tribeca Immersive Cinema 360. 
other than that, the jury's still going to vote on all, all their awards, and they have a million, you know, movies that are up for awards. So that's going to still happen. They're going to do all kinds of virtual markets, stuff like that, Q and A's, stuff like that. It's very different from what South by Southwest is doing. Yeah, I have no idea what this is even describing. To be honest with you, uh, yeah. thirty to forty minute VR movies. I don't. Okay, I, I guess I'll have to see what that is when I have the chance to. But that's not something that shouts that it's something that I should know what the hell it is yet. <laughs> it's better that they're offering something and not nothing, but I don't, I don't think they have the same kind of, you know, we're going to have a virtual online festival going on. Like that news came out right on the back of South by Southwest. So I was getting really excited. Like I can still go to Tribeca. I was planning to go anyway right. this year. It's not really happening. So that, that was a little bit of a bummer. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong there. As for uh, the Toronto International Film Festival, they're, they're partnered up with Crave, like you said, and they're basically doing like, premieres of movies that are coming to VOD like Once We're Brothers. That's a 2020 documentary about the band, I think. And then they're also doing retrospectives like The Princess Bride. They're having Q&As afterwards. They're having introductions by cast and crew members and, and their curator there. So that, that that's a fun thing that a lot of you know groups are doing out there that I, that I thought was cool. Yeah, it doesn't seem like they're going to be unveiling any kind of new properties. The way the article described it was you're going to have basically a conversation with Mandy Patankin and then you're going to screen The Princess Bride Ride, so that'll be available on the Crave streaming platform. I didn't get the sense that they're going to be debuting anything. Uh, it seems like South By is the only one that's got a plan to kind of give access to first looks at some of these features. Now, whether or not, like Mike just described, whether or not certain films pull out or allow that to go forward, I guess is remains to be seen. But nonetheless, I just appreciate the effort being made to not only keep these film festivals in our minds and keep them active and keep them floating around, but to try to appease people who are stuck at home and give them something to look forward to and something new to do. Uh, I think that's all tip of the cap to all those festivals involved and all these streaming outlets that are trying to work in concert with them to make this all possible. Well, I to I'm totally looking forward to South by now and uh, I'll, I'll keep digging into it. Maybe I can find some stuff for our, our listeners to, to watch down the line too. Uh, and that's what I'm going to do right now, Mike, because we got more free online programming during quarantine. We have free Andrew Lloyd Webber musicals headed to YouTube. We have focus features offering movie Mondays on Facebook. We have HBO offering a lot of their season ones of Sopranos of curb and everything like that for free. Yeah. Uh, on their website and I'm sure on demand you have Spike Lee he put his Jackie Robertson script online we have Howard Stern and Sirius Radio they've made his show free until May 15th and Oprah has just put her show on Apple TV Plus available for free and she's talking about the pandemic she's talking people through it so all of that it seems really cool I mean does that brighten up your you know overall disposition <laughs> <laughs> which could be down at times, Mike. Yeah, it brightens general. it. If John Krasinski is at the helm introducing all these shows for me and doing his magic, then I'll be happy. No, I think this is a good effort. And I like, again, I like the effort being put in by these entertainment venues trying to reach people at home that are desperate to have anything to do. HBO specifically. I think The Wire is free. The Sopranos are free. Yeah. Barry is free right now. I think one other current one they're offering uh, is free right now, regardless of any kind of subscription service. This is how, you know, it should be regardless of a pandemic. You can 
offer free stuff to entice people to come in. You could look out for the people who maybe are kind of down and the have-nots right now of the world. You don't have to do it, I, I guess, you know, to this extent. I think Sirius offering their programming. I think it's all you get the entire Sirius streaming yeah. package if you want it until the 15, May 15th is what I read. I could be wrong on that, but... I I like that this is being done. I mean, call me a simpleton if you want, but I, I appreciate the effort being made to try and give all of us stuck at home something to do and give us options. And I understand that the fallout from this is that they're hoping you're going to part with your money once the world gets back to normal to keep these services. But I, I think it's it's a good use of, of their efforts and a good use of, of what they have at their disposal at these networks. Yeah, bravo. So that's a positive story. All right, let's get into a little bit of the negative here. We have the June schedule basically moving off their dates. I mean, the, the rest of this is starting to happen. We had Top Gun Maverick move from its June 24th spot to December 23rd. So it can still compete at the Oscars. That's good. <laughs> we had A Quiet Place 2 finally move to Labor Day, which mm, is in September. Yeah, we'll see about that. We had Candyman that got delayed from June until September, Michael, or maybe it was May, but that's moved to September. And then we had the French Dispatch move from early July to October 16th. So the French Dispatch can seriously still compete for Oscars. That's important to note for this year. They're keeping it within the 2020 schedule. Uh, mm -hmm. As for Disney, Mulan is being moved to late July. Jungle Cruise. That's that's the kind of uh, optimistic, though, right? I, mean, I don't late think July anything is happening until September at the absolute earliest. That's my take on reading the tea leaves. I would be, and, and you know, Bill Simmons and Ryan Russillo just talked about this on their podcast that was released Monday as well. It just seems that that's where sports are kind of eyeing towards. I know the president was on this conference call with all these commissioners trying to tell them that they will be going forward in September. I think I've been of the opinion that if this thing is going to rebound in the fall, this coronavirus, yeah. I don't, I mean, to me, 2020 is shut down, but I, I, to be a little more optimistic than that, I think mid fall is where you can start to see some return to normalcy at the earliest. And oh. I shudder to say that out loud and I hope I'm wrong. I hope that. you're wrong. Yeah, I, I hope too. you're wrong. That sucks. I, I do too. Anyway, uh, but, Disney kept moving stuff. Yeah. So Mulan moving to late July, like you said, that seems to be optimistic, but we'll see how it plays out. Hopefully they're right. And if anyone runs the world, Disney would. Uh, Jungle Cruise, that's going to move a, we a year and a week later. That's going to July 30th of 2021. The entire MCU is shifting as well. Black Widow is now taking the Eternals no November 6th release date. The Eternals is moving from this November to Shang-Chi's date of February 12th, 2021. Shang-Chi then will move to May 7th of 2021. That's going to bump Doctor Strange into the Multiverse of Madness all the way out to November of 2021, which is going to bump Thor, Love, and Thunder to February of 2022. All right, Michael, this is a serious question. Mm. Why would they bump every single one of those movies if they didn't have a narrative yes. imperative yes. to do so? And, and here's my question. What the hell is connecting these five or six MCU movies? What could be the through line that they can't change things around? Because I'm sure they said, all right, Black Widow works in May, and but now it also works in November. But whatever. I, I'm so shocked that these five movies are going to connect so clearly that you have to do them in sequence. Like That blows my mind. Yeah, that, uh, that's the biggest takeaway. I Black Widow can't have anything to do with all the others, can it? It has to. It's it's the first one. 
and it got bumped to uh, November. It took the Eternals off the board. You don't think that like, was just something where they were they were like, well, if we're going to move everything, let's just move Black Widow too instead of telling people we're going to test it on VOD or something else. We'll just give that the leadoff spot regardless when everything gets back to normal. I don't know if it had something to do with marketing and all the marketing that already went into it. They didn't want to waste that. But to me, that movie is a prequel. And there's like, how could that movie connect with everything else? I mean, we're going to find out. That's the one that makes the least sense. Yeah, that's the one that makes the least sense to me. The Eternals, I could see kicking. I could see the end of the Eternals kicking off everything, like being the start of literally the world. So I think that makes a little sense that you need the Eternals before all these. Black Widow doesn't make any sense to me. Black Widow could have been moved to the very end, right? And then you leave all that other stuff in place, which I'm sure you had a, a million machinations to, uh, to, you know, to make those decisions and put those things in those release dates. But I guess they don't care which movie works with which release date. They're just like, all right, we're going to have an MCU movie here and it's going to do well. Yeah. And we're going to have an MC move, MCU movie there. And if we got to just shuffle them, we'll shuffle them. Yeah. I can't believe that. <laughs> well, they're going to be making their money. And I think that's that's for sure. So, But I'm with you. That was my, my first takeaway when I saw everything being moved and slotted down one opening day. It's like, oh, there must be a continuous storyline that they're going to introduce and i think we should all be very excited about it except for martin scorsese who doesn't want to hear about it (laughs) the last thing that stuck out to me about what disney's doing artemis fowl that of the very famous i guess it's an adaptation and it had a huge budget attached 125 million dollar production budget they're not disney isn't putting that out and not moving its release date anywhere into the future it's going to debut on disney plus on its regular release date which i was very surprised to see. They were struggling for new programming, right, on Disney Plus. Yeah, they, they've been struggling from the beginning. It's worked as the as the uh, catalog of Disney movies. So the fact that they're going to bite the bullet and take that big budget and put it on Disney Plus, there's no way they're going to make a profit of 125 no. million with new subscriptions to Disney Plus for Artemis Fowl in particular. I can't imagine they do. I know that was supposed to be a big property. It had a shiny May release date. It was supposed to be something that makes them money, but they're basically, it sounds like, swallowing $200 million loss. I know the marketing had already started for that. They already cut a trailer. It was released in theaters. It was at the beginning of Onward. That's that's a huge loss for the House of Mouse. I know it's Disney and they can handle it. Imagine if anyone can, they can. But still, that's... That was surprising to me that they're going right to Disney Plus with it, I guess, as a way of trying to entice new subs. Well, I mean, the subscribers for Disney Plus are going up and up and up, and people are, you know, going crazy for it right now. So maybe they're trying to just steamroll that fact and and say that to keep all these subscribers, it's worth it to us to put this movie out on the streaming service. So it's it's strange. It's it felt like they're taking a bath on it to me, but maybe maybe it does. Maybe they're smarter than the both of us. Perhaps they are. Disagree. Uh <laughs> we have some other stuff, Mike, uh, as far as release dates go. Dream Horse is moving on from May first. I'm heartbroken about that. Oh, is it? I was going to ask you. (laughs) You know, I'm the one with my ear to the ground about those horse movies. The Green Knight is set for May 29th. Still, that's not going to happen, obviously. Right. Soul, The King of Staten Island, and Congillionaire all are still set for June 19th. Tenet is still set for July 17th. You imagine all those are going to be moved, right? Tenet for July 17th to be the optimist. Maybe that can stay. I don't know. I I hope we're back to normal in July. I hope you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) so do i dear friend so do i let's talk about do you care 
care section. This is where we take out the news stories of the week, and I ask, quarantine, sheltered, living mm-hmm. in a bubble, Michael here. Do we, should we, or will we care about them? Uh, the way we start every Do You Care segment is we take the debuting films of the week and we ask if we should care about them. But obviously, there's not a lot of movies coming out in theaters anymore. So we're talking about what's coming out to VOD and on premium VOD coming out this week. We have Trolls World Tour dropping April 10th. Nope. This is why I do not have kids. That's I'm why. I'm watching it. <laughs> well, Mike, Trolls World look, Tour is why. <laughs> look, people who have kids have to watch this movie. We do not. We need to take advantage of the few things we could take advantage of not uh, of having that level of fulfillment so we might as well take it where we can get it here we don't have to watch trolls world tour you and i do not have to do this and we we won't no we will not do you think it does anything earth shattering no from the vod from the box office point of view do you think it moves the needle that maybe other blockbusters can go the vod route I think the ceiling on that movie was a couple hundred million dollars, and I think they're basically going to, they're going to do a hundred million dollars as its ceiling. So no, I don't think they're going to make money on that movie. Yeah. I would be surprised. I agree with you. Uh, regular VOD coming out. We have the last full measure, like a boss. Ip Man for the finale tape, and we summon the darkness. No, I'm not really into any of those. Are you? Mm, Ip Man four. I'm a little. But otherwise, no, it doesn't seem so now. I couldn't get past, like, the second Ip Man. Yeah. Like, I watched the Grandmaster one. I didn't really like it. Yeah, yeah that's, that's kind of a weak slate. You're right. I agree with you. There's just way too much time in between the fighting, and the story just didn't hook me enough. I don't know. It's just me. Sea Fever is having the first ever live stream premiere, Michael. This trailer looked okay. I mean, in a schlocky sense, it's like a mixture between The Thing and Jaws or The Lighthouse. It's They're quarantined on the darn boat, and there's some kind of, you know, monster that's getting through the, the faucets and the shower heads and whatever. So so maybe. I don't know. I, I'm probably not going to spring big money for the premiere, but if it's available, $8, $9, I may just click it. All right. That's something to look forward to there. Also coming to streaming, we have Tiger Tail on Netflix, Time to Hunt on Netflix. Netflix. Lay Miz is coming to Amazon Prime. I'm sorry, it's Lay Miz or Rob, not Lay Miz. I now have to be specific right. about that because those are two different movies that have very different stories attached to them. <laughs> yeah. Parasite is coming to Hulu. All the James Bond movies are coming between Amazon Prime, Hulu, and most premium channel subscriptions. Disney Plus also has a new nature documentary. You already described Elephant. They also have Dolphin Reef coming, and It Chapter 2 is coming on HBO. So with the exception of It Chapter 2, which I don't think I'm going to rewatch, I'm into all of that other stuff. I'm going to watch the Netflix movies. Hopefully I'll, I'll have a review of at least one of them for you next MMOW. I'm definitely going to finally watch uh, Les Miserables on Amazon Prime. No, you it's... aren't. I totally am. No, you are What are you are talking not. about? You I are not, not. going to watch Les Miserables. Yes, I am. Oh my! God. I was always going to. I wrote it down here, and I was thinking about pitching us reviewing it because no. <laughs> I have to know if it's going to be better than Portrait of a Lady on Fire. It probably won't be. Look, I watch these these goddamn international films that come out later. I always have. How do you? I, you wait, 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 wait. You said Les Miserables in the copy. Is it the Anne Hathaway musical or is it Les Mis? It is a movie that was nominated for oh, the so Best the, yeah, this is the Fr- okay, year. this is the France one. It's about a, a, a city crime problem, right? This is the one from France from twenty nineteen. About 
Yeah, it's about dirty okay, cops. Okay, okay, okay. I, I, then I will watch this one. I thought it was the Tom Hooper musical that was just coming to Amazon Prime. I was in a huff. <laughs> I was in a huff right there. I was like, how dare you? No, I yes, I agree. I, I, too, will watch this one. I would not watch the Tom <laughs> Hooper musical. No, I don't want to watch. Yeah, that exactly. Either. All right, so you Fuck understand my disdain. <laughs> exactly. All right, uh, but I, I'm in for all most of these movies. We're already rewatching the Bonds to get that episode out next month. Yes. All right, we got some industry news here. We have uh, the Academy pledging six million to industry workers. That's positive, right? That's positive. Uh, again, I, I you know I know people are sick of hearing me say this. We got to do more. There's going to be, I mean, this is going to be prolonged. At best, we're talking probably summer at this point, right? People aren't going to survive off of one single $1,200 check from the government. Industry workers aren't going to survive just off the backs and the generosity of Netflix and this, like, these... Yes, $6 million is a lot of money, but it's still not enough money. It's not a huge amount. No more needs to be done for the lower tier workers and and the working class people. Yeah, cosign. Now, we, we kind of foreshadowed this a while mm-hmm. back, but Viacom, and they're the parent company, I believe, of CBS, they bought 49% of Miramax, which used to be the old you know, Weinstein arm of Disney. They bought it for $375 million, which doesn't seem that much compared to you know how Fox Searchlight was bought for billions, et cetera, et cetera. Michael, what did you think of this? Uh, I'm interested in it, and I don't know how you cannot be, especially if you're a horror fan, especially if you're a Tarantino fan. This is where all those titles that Miramax was known for in the 90s and early 2000s, uh, this is where they lay. They, they own them. Uh, the article from The Hollywood Reporter said Viacom CBS's Paramount Pictures has also entered an exclusive long-term distribution agreement for Miramax's film library and an exclusive long-term first-look agreement allowing Paramount to develop, produce, finance, and distribute new film and television projects based on Miramax's IP. So basically, who's ready for that Pulp Fiction Showtime series, baby? Because it's coming. Uh... Maybe. We already know. We've talked about how CBS has been interested in turning Mission Impossible into its own standalone TV series. CBS has taken former movie properties, Bad Teacher springs to mind, and tried turning them into their own first-run series shows already. So now they have a whole new library to kind of pick and choose. And maybe some long-standing franchise that have struggled with their latest entries can find new life now on CBS and Showtime and the Viacom networks. Transformers sprung to mind immediately when I saw this deal. Terminator mm-hmm. has already had success on the Fox network with its own TV show that ran for three or four seri- seasons. I could see that being done on a premium channel like Showtime and having some new life breathed into it as well as a mini series or a multi-season run, something like that. I think the biggest takeaway from this for me is now we have a whole bunch of movies, a whole bunch of properties that can be turned into their own cinematic universes if that's the direction Paramount wanted to go in with this. Scream, Halloween, A Quiet Place, all the Tarantino movies, all the Mission Impossible movies, all of these big, big names in cinema history are now under the same umbrella and they can be utilized not only theatrically, but they can be utilized through CBS's all-access streaming service. They can be utilized through different TV shows, different streaming uh, properties, VOD properties. There's a lot of things to be hopeful for with this deal, I think, if you're a movie fan. So basically, this is going to wind up meaning that I have to spend an extra $10 or $15 a month on CBS All Access. But <laughs> hopefully I can cut the cord at some point. I still haven't quite done that. So when I do that, it'll make make some sense. And 
Peacock and CB All S, you know, All Access. There, CB All S, CBS All Access. <laughs> I don't even would have make some sense. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, right now, I'm like, I'm feeling good with Hulu and all the stuff. But I'm we're springing for all of that. But how much more money do we have to spend and still ha- need cable for like the Knicks and the Yankees and the few things we need cable for? Mike. Yeah. Well, there's streaming services coming out. I think this is the first time that there's services coming out that I just don't have interest in. They don't pique my interest. Quibi? I, I have no Correct. interest in Quibi. I'm just saying, like, CBS All Access, I had no interest in them, but if they come out, like, making the Scream sequels and original movies right. with within these properties and original TV shows, then I'm going to be forced to be interested yeah. in them. yeah. Right. At some point, I think you're right. I mean, the the, the levy's going to break. We're going to have to separate from cable. I can't see myself doing it because I am way too addicted to the clicking and just the mindless surfing through channels and then watching something bullshit on YouTube anyway at the end of it. I don't understand you, but <laughs> fair enough. I get that a lot. Upcoming movie project announcements, Michael. <laughs> Anne Hathaway. This is why I thought you were talking about the Tom Hooper musical because I knew this story was coming up. She is going to star in French Children Don't Throw Food. It can't get any worse for Anne Hathaway at this point, right? I mean, we just trashed her Oscar-winning performance in Les Miserables accidentally earlier in the show. Serenity was hilarious, and it was supposed to be a heavy drama with Matthew McConaughey. The last thing he wanted was a Netflix bomb. Even though I didn't quite hate it as much as some people did, but whatever, it's still bad. Look, it, it she's got to have something that helps her rebound at this point, and this is about a an, an American family moving to France, and she's trying to balance motherhood and her life as a journalist. It could work, right? I mean, sure. And the pandemic could be over tomorrow if we're talking about coulds here. Anything could happen, Mike. <laughs> Edgar Wright's next movie is about robots. Robots, yes. Uh, this is based on the upcoming book, Set My Heart to Five, from Simon, Simon Stevenson, Mike. And this movie, here's the premise. Yes. It's about an android dentist in 2054 who has an emotional awakening after watching movies from the 1980s and 1990s. <laughs> I think Edgar Wright might be my absolute favorite filmmaker on the planet right now. He might have always been, but I, I'm just admitting it right now. I can't wait for this. So it's like Johnny Five becomes self-aware and emotional. I, I can't wait for this. Like, is Simon Pegg going to play that role? Like, who's going to play it? Like, I'm totally in for this. And to show you and to prove to you how in for this I am, I am not going to read the book first. So I will see the movie first, and then I'll probably read the book after. Well, Edgar Wright's got a couple interesting properties coming up. We're going to be talking about him for a while here, I think. Absolutely. Mike, we got a couple of TV stories. Christopher Maloney will return as Elliot Stabler in his own Law and Order series. Do you care? Absolutely. I care very deeply about this. This is when I read this news, I like squealed with excitement. This is like a friend that you had in college that you hadn't seen in years coming back into your life and just picking up as if, as if nothing ever changed and things are back to normal. I can't wait for this. Very excited for it. Michael Jordan, The Last Dance, as we predicted previously, that is that 30 for 30 ESPN documentary series is going to move up from its late summer original spot to an April 19th premiere date, Mike. Yeah, Mike, I don't want to pat ourselves on the back too hard here, but 
we get a lot of predictions wrong, but when it comes to horrifying globe-stopping pandemics and the effects they bring to the entertainment industry, we're pretty fucking good with what we predict will happen. <laughs> so, we are. It's not bad. That's something we should give ourselves credit for. Uh, we are both excited about this and had the documentary rules, the documentary feature rules for the Academy not changed as a result of the last time ESPN put forth a multi-part documentary series for OJ's Made in America. I think this would be a contender. I'm hoping this will be a contender. We will be watching. We were talking in the pre-production about doing something with this and incorporating it into our show somehow. So be on the lookout for that soon. Absolutely. And something that we did talk about in terms of a documentary series a couple weeks back, Tiger King. Two stories on that. Number one, Joe Exotic, he apparently has coronavirus, Mike. Ugh. I mean, that's that's terrible. And it's not the only yeah. celebrity we're going to talk about in a minute here that has this something. It's true. Uh, the second story is that they're going to have at least, they're going to do at least one more episode. They're going to release an episode of Tiger King coming to Netflix in the future. So, Jeff Lowe of in that show, uh, who tried to come in and save Joe Exotic's sanctuary and then turned out to be his own form of ridiculous, he dropped mm. that bomb. I think it was on David Spade's broadcast saying that Netflix is showing up tomorrow to tape him and there's going to be another episode. I haven't heard Netflix comment on this. Have you? No, I just, I, it was on the trades though. Variety and, uh, and Hollywood reporter. I read it fast, but it sounded like it's coming. All right. Uh, I guess we're getting it, but I, the only thing, the only confirmation I've heard was Jeff Lowe spouting off about it on somebody's talk Mm. show. So if it happens, you know, I mean, my God, is there anything that's grabbing the zeitgeist more right now than Can you go three seconds online without seeing Carol fucking Baskins being said by somebody somewhere or in some meme? So yeah, Tiger King is literally the king right now. It's uh, it's the winner of the quarantine so far. <laughs> it is. There's no that's, question. That's true. Uh, unfortunately, though, like we said, Joe Exotic suffering from the coronavirus, and we do have uh, a terrible news. And um, this coronavirus has has really impacted both the entertainment world uh, at large. Obviously, we know that you at home, uh, I probably know someone that's that's fighting the fight and dealing with it as well. We hope you are all safe. But uh, just as means of roundup here and news that impacts the entertainment world, Adam Schlesinger, uh, he has passed away of the coronavirus the fountain of wayne's lead singer he was a songwriter of that thing you do obviously that's probably what he's best known for either that oscar nomination for best original song back in 1997 or being the more recently the executive music producer to the golden globe winning show crazy ex-girlfriend like i said he was a founding member of the group fountains of rain he was a prolific musical writer as well he had penned songs that had been utilized and belted out by everyone from Katy perry to stephen colbert to the band Bowling for Soup. Uh, This is unfortunately just another loss of a man who's truly a a marvelous titan in the entertainment industry and someone who would seem to have a tough time finding a single bad word said about him. Everything I read about this man uh, was just glowing and and people couldn't believe the loss and he was such a lovely human being. Uh, And for 52 to go and succumb to this virus, it's just too young and shocking and heartbreaking and I, I think that's kind of what's been most sobering about this virus. If you have been fortunate enough in your own personal life to not know anyone that deals with this or has to deal with what's going on with Corona, uh, the entertainment world's been rocked by it. Obviously, Schlesinger has succumbed to it. Also, Terrence McNally, the playwright, New Orleans Saints legend Tom Dempsey, the chef Floyd Cardoz, actor Mark Blum, country music singer Joe Diffie, jazz legend Ellis Marsalis, 
These are all people that have unfortunately lost their battle with Corona, and we give our condolences to the families and friends of all of them. We give our the same to you at home who are listening. If you yourselves are impacted by it, you know someone who is, or unfortunately have a loved one who is, please stay safe. Please stay indoors. I mean, this virus doesn't discriminate. It can attack anybody, and it doesn't matter the age, health, or well-being. It's a, a bear to deal with. And we hope uh, we hope you are safe. It's just not worth it to be near other people right now if you could avoid doing so. Uh, so really, as always, uh, it's a terrible update. We hate having to do it. Uh, we're just going to try to transition best we can and talk about some trailer thoughts here. Yeah, well said, Mike. Trailer thoughts! All right, Mike, we got the trailer for the Train to Busan sequel, and it is called Peninsula. Yeah, the premise! Post-apocalyptic, zombie-infested hellscape of an abandoned world. Obviously, that's very similar to what the uh, Train to Busan had for us as well, Michael. Well, we had some innovative zombie stuff in there. I mean, I'm glad to see that after the original movie from Sang Ho Yun, I mean, that, that film was awesome. It had a gimmick to it with the zombies through the train. And, and in this trailer alone, Mike, we have a ball of zombies sliding on that wet floor. That was, that was a, so gross. <laughs> that was a wild visual. Yeah, it though, was. Right? Like, why was are awesome. they sliding? What pushed them? <laughs> That's a <laughs> anyway, question. we have... We have a train terminal that is locked and full of those neon green zombie hands in the night vision light. I don't want to, you know, make light of the apocalypse that we're all living through right now. (laughs) But if Corona leads to zombies and these are the circumstances we're up against, I am not fighting this, Mike. I mean, the stuff, the visuals we were given, the sliding horde of zombies, this giant packed train station of zombie you're not fighting that how are these people going to survive this if they're fast zombies you and i are toast <laughs> no, absolutely. but if they're slow zombies we got a shot i'm just giving it it's not worth it to me <laughs> right uh, we, we already went over this on our uh all the horror episode this past year of how we would spend yes, the apocalypse <laughs> can you believe we haven't brought that up until now i forgot about it you're right i, I actually but yeah we, that seems very apropos for what we're living through we just prophesied this whole thing <laughs> months ago. You just said we were great at predicting. Things. Yeah, you're we right. Might have predicted. You're right. This. We should. We we are on top of this. Do we control the world? Yes, is the answer to that. Anyway, Mike, we got zombies in this trailer who are so desperate for human flesh that they will dive into the open window of a monster truck, whatever that <laughs> war machine was in that trailer. They're trying to dive, leap into the open window. Just to get at somebody. I have not seen Train to Busan yet. You have. Does this, what we were given here for Peninsula, does it look the same as far as the visuals go? Or does this seem more extreme? Because this was a pretty extreme look to me as far as for a zombie movie. It's way more extreme. It feels like they tripled their budget for it. No question. Now, I have some caveats. I have some red flags about this movie. Because number one, Psychokinesis was his follow-up, Sang-ho Yeon. Mm -hmm. It was not good. It was one of my most aggravating movie experiences, I think, of last year or maybe two years ago. I was really let down by it because I love Train to Busan so much. So I'm a little worried about this movie 
The VFX did not look great. I mean, you had some high, high highlights to this trailer and, and the visuals, but you, some of it just looked cartoony. Hmm. Okay. I, this is not a, I'm the, again, not familiar with the filmmaker's work. I know you have been a big fan uh, in the past, so hearing your concerns definitely are, are raising a red flag for me and my expectation with Peninsula. We don't get a story here either. It just looks like, all right, we're deeper into this shit. The world has ended and we're fighting zombies like every minute, which is fine. But, you know, hopefully it's that. Isn't that what the zombie apocalypse would be, though? <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, <laughs> we don't get a story here. The last movie was very, you know, it hinged on a story. I mean, he's trying to save his daughter, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I don't know what the story is here, or if it works. So where do you land on this? Still looking forward to it, or have you talked yourself out of it? I'm cautiously optimistic. There's enough there to want to see it, but I'm not going to, like, lead the hype train. Okay. Ah, I see what you did there, working in the train metaphor. Nice. Mike, we also have last moment of clarity. Drop the trailer. Premise, Samara Weaving goes from in-law ass-kicker to A-list actress who may be the disguised former fiancé of our protagonist, Sam, in a mystery he needs to unravel before the mob gets him because they need to be involved in this too, naturally. So Carly Chaikin, she is so damned good in Mr. Robot. Samara Weaving is so damned good in Three Billboards and the Ready or Not film mm-hmm. that we just saw. I don't know if their overwhelming potential can save this plot line. <laughs> the mob being involved is such a throw-in, isn't it? Isn't she just, like, ignoring him, right? I mean, yeah. just ignore him? Because otherwise there's no story if she's, like, not. If you watch Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, and then you watch this trailer, you think this guy, Sam, is just a fucking douche. I hate all men. I yes. Yeah. No, I'm not. Not. To, I don't want to disparage that movie because that's not the case. We went over. No, that over movie is great and it's nuanced and it's spectacular yeah. and it's an, right. an amazing watch. And do go listen to our review of it. But watching that movie and how how men act in that movie, I mean, Sam is doing the exact same thing. It's just given a different lens, right? Right. I don't want to follow him. Like he's the least interesting right, character right. in this particular setup. And we're following him in this plot line. So why? And this seemed to be a VOD release in its uh, origin anyway. Oh, really? It doesn't seem to be something that was going to be uh, giving a theatrical release or at least not a wide one first and then move to VOD. So could be a reason for that. We'll see. Yeah, Sella and the Spades got a new trailer, and this is the uh, Sundance hit coming to Amazon Prime. Yeah, the premise of Sundance hit, like you said, about the high school experience that you, Mike, and I weren't remotely cool enough to be anywhere close to in real life. All right, so you said you usually like trailers that don't give away too much. Yeah. Well, do you have the foggiest faintest clue what the story is about no this this was speaking like some super serious bring it on mixed with some schadenfreude towards the elite of the bling ring and i liked it i have no clue what's happening in this trailer I did read up on it a little okay. bit, so you know, skip forward a few seconds because I found the premise. It's basically about a rich boarding school and the most powerful group or faction of kids. They sell drugs and alcohol to the rest of the student body. So, sh- I think Sela is a part of that, stu- you know, powerful group, and shit's gonna go down from there because it's about her but it's also about like her protege so i don't know it's, i'm i'm intrigued well that's what i was gonna I ask you this going this trailer didn't offer a lot it didn't even really have a score for a majority of it very minimal until mm. the very end of the trailer but 
I think it might, of the three we're reviewing here, this might be the most intriguing to me. They, the characters yeah. did a good job of kind of owning the screen. It drew you in, even though you don't know what the story is about. You do get glimpse of, you know something's going on with this school. You know something's going on with that cheerleading group. I, I, I really liked what I saw here. 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. It was a winner at the Black Star and Palm Springs Film Festivals. It uh, was a Next Award nominee at Sundance. Taya Risha Poe, it's her feature film debut. She's gotten a lot of buzz. And then, of course, Jarell Jerome, who was a big star of award season last year with what he did in When They See yeah. Us. He stars in this as well. So. I'm into it. Same here. Can't wait. Looking forward to it. We can wrap up here, Mike, with some audience interaction stuff as we go through our six degrees of MMO submissions. We had Zima to Mark Duplass by way of a tiger was your challenge last week. Yeah, only one efficiency award. This went to Merck with a movie blog, at movie blog Merck, M-E-R-C. Sima to Zach Galifianakis in the campaign. Zach Galifianakis was with uh, Ed Helms in The Hangover, which had a nice in it. Ed Helms is in Jeff Who Lives at Home, which was written and directed by Mark Duplox. Do you see Jeff Who Lives at Home? I did. I didn't like it. You, I liked it. You didn't like it. That's surprising to me. No, I like. I hated well, it. you didn't like We Need to Talk About Kevin either. That had, like, it wasn't as extreme as like, that. But that had. I didn't like either yeah, of those movies. You don't like the, the movies with a guy. Yeah, I, I, I see. I'm picking up. After two plus years of doing this with you, I'm starting <laughs> to see what you, what you like and what you don't like. That makes sense. I didn't like, uh, I don't feel at home in this world anymore either. <laughs> I don't like titles that go on that long. So in the land of the blind, the man with one eye will be king. You just have no time for that. No. <laughs> the two titular Tiger trophies go to Robert Doherty, frequent flyer here, Robert Doc 1984. Zima recurred on 24 with Kiefer Sutherland, who's in Phone Booth, mm. made by Joel Schumacher, who made Tigerland, co-starring Matthew Davis, who's in Legally Blonde with Reese Witherspoon, who's in Wrinkle in Time with Mindy Kaling, who starred in the Mindy Project, guest starring Mark Duplass. Bill Bradsky at Bill Bradsky 2620 also has a titular tiger in the middle of his <laughs> submission here. And he said Sima was in the farewell with Aquafina. He was great in that. Uh, Aquafina was great in Crazy Rich Asians with Michelle Yeoh, who was great in all these things. And Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon in the middle of it. I'm surprised more people didn't use Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon I am here. too. Anyway, we have Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon directed by Ang Lee, who also directed Gemini Man with Will Smith, who was in Focus, kind of an underrated guilty pleasure with uh, Margot Robbie, who is in Bombshell, of course, with Mark Duplass. Yeah, Focus has, I think, higher scores than you would think, too. Like, it's not breaking the records or anything, but I, I mm. remember thinking, seeing that preview and thinking, well, that movie's going to suck. <laughs> and I didn't see it because I thought that, but the scores do not back up a movie which sucks and is a waste of time. So good job, Margot Robbie and Will Smith, and good job, Bill Bratsky there. They are too attractive not to that's like a that good movie. point like you just have like they're in the primes of the oh my god they're just way too attractive yeah, that's a good point just two human beings that attractive for two hours on the screen with that those cameras like, who doesn't like that movie? that's probably why two guns work too with mark Wahlberg and denzel <laughs> like that that story was shit but it's mark Wahlberg and denzel so people respected it and gave it like a 6.5 Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I really did not know that award. Goes to our buddy Wojciech there. Wojciech Weishor. Swamp Thing is his name. On Twitter, Duplass was in The One I Love with Elizabeth Moss, who was in The Seagull with Saoirse Ronan. Saoirse, of course, was in Little Woman with Florence Pugh. Her brother Sebastian was in Game of Thrones. What is this? Neil Tiger free? 
so Nell Tiger Free is the name of an actress in Game of Thrones. So number one, oh. I did not know. I did not know that Florence Pugh has a brother that looks exactly like yes. her who starred in Game of Thrones. And I watch every Game of Thrones episode ten times a piece, so I'm shocked <laughs> to learn that he played the Martell boy in that movie. And then Nell Tiger Free, I did not realize that she played, I think, in some of the same scenes because she was Marcella, who was the daughter, the Lannister daughter, who was with I mean, with Florence Pugh's brother in all those scenes. It's wild. Wojcik's the man. You're a bad fan. I told you that show would be the death of you, and now we're working towards that end. Nell Tiger Free was in Too Old to Die Young with John Hawks, who was in Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene with Elizabeth Olsen. Easy for me to say, who, of course, was in Avengers Endgame with Jeremy Renner, who was with Zima in Arrival. Yes, great entry by Wojcik there. Uh, we also have another one here from Jordan Beck at Dr. Underscore Magnifico, and I kind of want to watch this chain. And I'm going to give this the We Should Watch This Chain Award because we have Seema was on Hell on Wheels, Michael, which I watched like half of. And I probably should finish watching. It's like an AMC show about the railroads. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Seema was on that with Colm Meany, who was a big character on that. He is in Far and Away with Tom Cruise. Now, Far and Away, isn't that the one where him and uh, Nicole Kidman met to make that movie? I so I, I never you seen might it. be right. Anyway, Tom Cruise is in Tropic Thunder with Matthew McConaughey. It's Tom Cruise's funniest role by far. Without question. I kind of want to see that again. Uh, and, of course, Matthew McConaughey, he apparently he faced down a real, live, animal-ass tiger <laughs> in the movie Gold. Great descriptive words. <laughs> so that, that's cool. That's a real stunt involved. Now, I am going to pitch a baseball movie award show yes. at the end of this episode and Matthew McConaughey was apparently in Angels in the Outfield which was a childhood baseball movie that I was into myself. yeah of course I think everybody that from our generation was into that movie I remember Sundays be, at right? like 7pm on ABC Joseph Gordon Levitt was the star of that movie yeah him Danny, Danny, Glover, Danny Glover was the weathered uh, the weathered <laughs> manager of the team oh yeah Tony Danza mm -hmm. is in that movie, and of course he was on Who's the Boss with Judith Light, who co-starred co in Transparent with Mark's brother, Jay. Great job, Jordan. A very worthy entry there by Jordan. But the winner this week, it's been a while since we shouted them out as a winner. It's Dark Nook from At Dark Nook Shop Zima is in the Kung Fu Reboot. The original TV series featured a tiger burned into the forearm of David Carradine, who died. My God. Oh, boy. <laughs> We all know how he died. The autoerotic asphyxiation mishap, very famously, in The Lazarus Effect, starring Mark Duplass, a character is choked to death via telekinetic asphyxiation. That went a lot more PG-13 than I thought it was going to when we got to the Carradine stuff, but congratulations, Dark Nook. You are the winner of this week's Six Degrees of MMO and all things bragging rights and Six Degrees of MMO related now belong to you. Mike, we have to start a new throne this month. All right, I want to be a little more responsible this week, Mike. Okay. We have a throne that can be quarantined easily. Like, you know those tents on the sidelines of NFL games? Yeah, pop-up. Like, there's tent. a tent, yeah, ready for that for this throne to be, you know, put in a pop-up tent. So we have that built in. Okay. Is it on you the side? Like, is the throne in the tent already, or is the tent the tent's on the side? It can pop up at any minute. It can be. I'm supposed to give you one thing, and you run. run okay, away. so the throne... Because it's improv. Don't we 
know how to do improv? You just, yes, and. You have to do and something else. I just wanted to explore your vision. That's all. Sue me. You can't just say, no, you're stupid. You have to say, and yes. Well, I just wanted to know what you were talking about. So we have the tent on the side where there's a button on the throne. The tent could pop up and it comes. It's like one of those pop-up tents that's all encompassing. There's no entrance or exit. So you can only mm-hmm. access it from the throne. You hit a button. Boom, you're in your own bubble like Jake Gyllenhaal and Bubble Boy. Okay. All right. So that so this could be a mobile throne. Right. Yeah. Yes. Even though you be. kind of just took my idea and you fixed it, could it be the a way Pope you mobile. wanted to do it. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> All right. We got a Pope Mobile throne, <laughs> which is going to be which is going to be mobile. Yes. And we can somehow get it to the stratosphere at the end of this month. <laughs> sure. We can do whatever we want, pal. <laughs> and to be equally as ridiculous, Michael, what is going to be next week's six degrees of MMO challenge? All right, we gotta salvage this episode and the PR of it. So we were we were on Anne Hathaway's case early on, and we want to make it up to her by including her because we love her work. I mean, she's done a lot yes. of great things. Agree. Anne Hathaway will start off this chain. I was gushing over Zoe Kravitz in High Fidelity early on. I thought she was terrific. You've been rewatching that uh, HBO show with Zoe Kravitz in it too, right? Yes, The Big Little Lies. I just finished season two. Yes. Of it. Lisa Bonet is Zoe Kravitz's mom, and we referenced her earlier, too, because I think it'll be too easy to go from Hathaway to Zoe Kravitz, so we're going to go Anne Hathaway to Lisa Bonet, but because we're also in the mode of feeling guilty mm-hmm. of not watching Trolls World Tour, we're going to say you got to go through a troll. <laughs> Any troll. Could be the doll, could be the movie, could be somebody who's played a troll, could be a real-life troll if you live near one. I don't know what bridges you frequent. But yes, that is Shrek. that yeah. is the Six Degrees of MMO Challenge for next week. <laughs> Anne Hathaway to Lisa Bonet by way of a troll. And all of that ridiculousness seems proper to end on here for this week's episode of MMO Weekly. Guys, as always, we want to hear your thoughts, comments, questions, concerns, and six degrees of MMO submissions. You can leave us all of those. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram, at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com, and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear podcasts. If you happen to be listening to us during your downtime and quarantine, if we can entertain you, uh, thank you for giving us some of your time. We hope we can keep you coming back and if you wouldn't mind taking 10 seconds in exchange going on the apple podcast app and leaving us a five-star review those go a long way for us michael what is coming next from this show and what are some words of wisdom to start the week on so i want to give a shout out to pop culture review and the pod clubhouse they are an awesome podcast. They had me on their show over the weekend. They mostly do like recaps of TV series. They're they're currently in the middle of, or I think they're at the end of Shit's Creek. They just finished The Outsider. They just started Little Fires Everywhere on Hulu. They also have a series called Interview with a Podcast, and my episode will be coming out soon. I, I talk glowingly, and then I talk a lot of shit about my co-host here <laughs> on that episode. So yeah, I mean, stay tuned for that that's a lot a lot of fun i think i had a blast on their show we'll have to have them on ours and uh i listened to a bunch of their stuff going into the week uh caught up on a bunch of it but do find and support caroline mike and paul it's wise to go to popculturereview.com it's wise to go to podclubhouse.com i think they are terrific 
As for what's coming up on MMO, okay, as promised, we are going to start the James Bond character study. That will return in our next episode. We've been watching Roger Moore movies. We'll, we will be ready for that. Then Mike and I, we have a big idea that we're still workshopping. That'll come in a few weeks. So in the meantime, I think, Mike, we just want to do some stuff that we've always wanted to mm-hmm. do. I, I don't necessarily think there's a new movie that is like that movie of the week that we must review that is not named Trolls World Tour. <laughs> I don't want to review Trolls World Tour. So we're going to do shit that we always wanted to do. We always wanted to do a baseball movies award show. So that will come first from us at the end of this week in, you know, like this bucket list kind of episode that we want to try. Yeah. Uh, that's what we're doing next. A lot of stuff on the horizon. Like you said, big ideas in the works and hopefully we will come to a place where we can get that into a show format before wanting to murder one another but that is that is what's left and what you can expect from mmo guys as always when reality sucks and you're down in your dumps during quarantine hopefully you can come watch these movies and listen to these shows have some laughs with us we're mike mike and oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness we will see you very soon see you